all, welcome to today's episode of Tejana Feminist Talks, a podcast. I'm your host, Leslie Lopez. Thank you so much for listening today. Just a friendly reminder that we do have two goals here. The first is to learn about topics within social justice, and the second is to unlearn harmful ways of thinking and behaviors. Like I mentioned in the introductory episode, this is an ongoing process and it requires vulnerability but I expect us all to create an environment for accountability. So in today's episode, I'm going to be talking about the book Emergent Strategy by Adrienne Marie Brown. I'll dive in deeper on some of the concepts and practices that she wrote about and also give you all my own review. Um, More specifically, I'm gonna give a breakdown on Emergent Strategy and then talk about my own self-assessment as provided in the book. So I'm extremely new to this concept and other ideas that were talked about, so it's all very fresh, um, but I hope that we can discuss this more on Instagram because I really want to know what y'all think. So if you're interested, then please keep on listening. So you may or may not be familiar or have even heard of the concept emergent strategy. I personally had it um, outside of talking about the book um, and this book was recommended to me by one of my dear friends Marie Um, and so yeah I just want to provide some background and a solid definition and foundation so that we're all on the same page so emergent strategy as explained by Adrienne Marie Brown are ways for humans to practice complexity and grow the future through relatively simple interactions So this concept actually was originally meant to describe the work of Octavia Butler, who is a black science fiction writer. Brown actually sees her as a very prominent influence. So there's a lot of concepts and ideas that are taken from Butler's work. Um, But after some time, this concept shifted from being used to describe Octavia Butler's work Um, to more of a plan of action and uh, an organizing tool um, that is meant to take into account like the constant changes and strength of adaptation. So this kind of sounds like a lot, um, so I'm going to provide an example because I personally had a bit of a hard time wrapping my head around this. Um, And Adrienne Marie Brown actually uses a lot of um, examples related to biology and the natural world. So this is like a really reoccurring theme. So at the base of emergent strategy, there are six elements um, and each one of them has a separate chapter in the book dedicated to them. So the first one is fractal, which refers to never ending patterns. Um, This one was very interesting and I'll talk more about it towards the end. The second one was adaptive, so how we change. The next one was interdependence and decentralization. Um, And some of them are like two paired that go together. So this specific one's talked about uh, mutual dependence between things and how we share functions and power. And one of the examples she gave was that of dandelions. Um, so dandelions, they spread their seeds everywhere um, and are mistaken as weeds a lot of the time. Um, but when they're pulled, only the top of them is pulled. Um, their roots aren't. 
So dandelions are a way that nature shows resilience, resistance, regeneration, and decentralization. Um, so like I said, there is a common theme of using um, examples in nature and then um, comparing them to examples within humans. Um, then we have nonlinear and iterative. So nonlinear as in not being in a straight line and the latter um, means that it involves repetition. Then we have resilience and transformative justice, so how we recover and transform. And personally, this was one of the chapters that really stuck with me. Um, and then the last one is creating more possibilities, so how we move towards life. Um, and yeah, so in each chapter, um, each element is broken down and she offers comparisons between organizing and examples in the natural world. So definitely very interesting. Um, in terms of like the book setup, I think that it was a smart call um, to break uh, down each element into its own chapter because I actually had a very hard time understanding what emergent strategy was. Um, a definition isn't really given until like further into that first chapter or the beginning of the book and so when people would ask me like oh what are you reading about I really didn't know what to say <laughs> um, but yeah so I am going to offer my own review and then talk a little bit more about what each of those mean Okay, so those were the main ideas and the theme, but I really want to focus on my review um, just because I feel like I have a lot to say about the book itself. Um, so in terms of praise, the book was very transformative for me. Um, it really made me think about how I practice some of these elements with and without my knowledge. So for example, um, I feel like I already practice adaptation in my everyday life. Um, I understand that change is going to happen and that it's inevitable um, and I consider myself to be pretty good at adapting but she actually gave a really good reminder on page 82. Um, here she says that we are not here to feel good all the time but to do good and I feel like that was very necessary for me to hear. Um, because, I mean, we're only human, so conflict is bound to come up within your friend group or the group that you organize with. Um, but remembering that you're working towards a common goal and that not everything is personal is, like, really important. So that was, like, a good gentle reminder. Um, there was a lot of discussion over transformative justice that left me feeling confused in a good way. Um, so I was actually talking about this with my friend. And when I had first started reading it, we were talking about how sometimes when you first get into social justice movements or you follow a specific person's work, you're like, oh, all these ideas are good. Like I 100% agree until you have some contradicting information come up. And that can be really hard to navigate, um, especially if 
this is not something that you've thought about in the past. Um, and I think this is when it's really important to have people to talk to um, who like also understand you, who may be in the movement um, with you. So you may or may not have noticed, um, but I actually changed the wording in the intro segment. So before I used to say, we are going to hold ourselves and each other accountable. But now I say we're creating an environment for accountability. Um, and this change, I actually have um, this person named Kay to think. Um, you should totally follow them on Twitter at ShayButterFemme. I participated in a webinar and they were leading it. Um, and I asked the question, like, how do we hold people accountable um, who have caused harm um, but are still organizing within the movement and they said something along the lines of you can't hold people accountable because that in itself is coercion um, but you can create an environment for accountability and I think this may seem like very minuscule and not very important but if you really do think about it like saying you will hold someone accountable does sound very harsh, um, whereas creating an environment for accountability gives people basically the right to, you know, practice accountability. And that's when it becomes like an individual thing. Like I can, only I am able to do this. Like I can't force someone to do something. Yeah, I, I just thought this was a really deep chapter, the one about transformative justice. Um, and I'm actually going to read an excerpt from the chapter right now, um, just because it was very interesting and I want to know what everyone thinks. The excerpt I'm going to be reading from is on page 140 and then it goes to 141. So it reads, you do not have the right to traumatize abusive people, to attack them personally or publicly or to sabotage anyone else's health. The behaviors of abuse are also survival-based, learned behaviors rooted in some pain. If you can look through the lens of compassion, you will find hurt and trauma there. If you are the abused party, healing that hurt is not your responsibility, and exacerbating that pain is not your justified right. That excerpt I have like highlighted and I took notes, and it actually made me very uncomfortable. Um, I want justice for people. I don't want people to cause harm or be harmed. Um, I also don't think that people should be thrown away, but at the same time, I struggle with the idea of letting abusers into the spaces that we've created. Um, however, I then think about how we have all caused harm um, to people and you know, that level may range, um, but that was something that I was trying to think about because it's very contradicting, I think. Um, this idea of wanting to learn more about personally and practice transformative justice, but also like who who is given a pass or who's given another opportunity. Um, so um, I think it's important to ask questions like, why can harm like this happen? 
Um, so that was definitely something that stopped me as I was reading it and I kind of thought about it and then I read it again um, because that chapter was like a lot of information that I was not very familiar with. Um, like um, transformative justice as a concept, like I am not very familiar with. Um, and so reading that was helpful. But so I should have probably done this before, but I want to read um, what Young Women's Empowerment Project defines um, transformative justice. So there are four tenets. Um, and the first one is to acknowledge the reality of state harm. The second one is to look for alternative ways to address and interpret harm which do not rely on the state. The third one is that it relies on organic creative strategies that are community created and sustained. And the fourth one is to transform the root causes of violence, not only the individual experience. So in terms of how transformative justice relates to emergent strategy, um, it's basically a way to think about how to transform this hurt and pain that has been caused into solutions. Um, and I think that's obviously like easier said than done. Um, but having this idea um, that, okay, some, something is going to be done about the harm being caused is really important instead of just ignoring it or what I feel like I would be tempted to do, which is exposing someone. Um, and for the past few like weeks and months, I've been learning about why that's not the best solution. Um, and this chapter actually talks about talks about that and like what exactly that does um, in terms of hurting people and like does anyone really heal from that? Um, so yeah, um, and actually I really want to come back to this um, idea of transformative justice in the future um, once I found like other resources because while I have seen myself as a mediator in the past, I want to learn more about mediating within a transformative justice framework, um, but I acknowledge that I can't do that if I don't have the proper knowledge or am unwilling to check myself and so I think, you know, like the goal of this podcast is to unlearn harmful ways of thinking and I really do think that having this idea of there are good and bad people in the world is like not going to fly with a transformative justice framework um, but also within our goal for collective liberation. So that was definitely a praise um, for the book. Another thing that I really liked is a toolkit. So I'm going to talk about uh, one of the assessments I took, but there are some assessments um, that you take yourself and basically they each deal with one of the um, elements of emergent strategy. Um, and, you know, there's like a quick tool to measure how much or where at you are within embodying um, emergent strategy. 
Then there is an assessment of fractal, which is the one I took. Then there is an assessment of adaptation, um, which discusses how one responds to positive and negative changes, as well as intentions. Um, and these are actually, um, like you can do individually and then you can do within your team or organization, which I think is really cool. Um, there's an assessment of interdependence and decentralization. So who you lean on and who leans on you um, and like your needs being met. There is an assessment of nonlinear and iterative. Um, so basically what you're practicing um, both as an individual and then with your organization or collective. Um, there's also an assessment of resilience and transformative justice. An assessment for creating more possibility. Um, and I am going to talk about the assessment of fractal later because um, I actually did it and it asks you some questions and then it asks that you interview three people that know you and ask them some questions. Um, and I definitely learned a lot. I found it very useful. So, yeah. Lastly, um, I also found the practices very useful. So there is a chapter called Spells and Practices for Emergent Strategy. In this chapter, um, one of the practices is Vulnerable Reflection, which um, Adrienne Marie Brown says that we ask others to be mirrors for us at our most vulnerable places so we can see what we are learning, see new possibilities in our lives. So I think reflecting um, on just your life in general and like where you're at, um, anything really is a very good tool. Um, when I was younger, I used to journal a lot. I currently journal not as much as I used to, um, just kind of when I feel like it, not really a daily basis. Um, but I'm gonna be thinking more about being more vulnerable when I reflect. Um, just because I think as humans, we kind of have the tendency sometimes to go through really hard like times in our lives and we like get through it and then we look back and we're like, that wasn't that bad. Um, but the truth is, is that it really was bad. <laughs> and we like kind of um, disassociate from those feelings and we're like, no, we don't, I don't want to think about how bad it really was so I'm just gonna say it wasn't that bad because I made it through but I, I honestly think journaling is um, a really good way to practice this. One of the other tools um, or practices I should say um, that I find both useful um, but also something I hadn't pictured before at least not in the way that she describes it is visionary fiction. So she says Visionary fiction is our right and responsibility to write ourselves into the future. All organizing is science fiction. If you are shaping the future, you are a futurist. And visionary fiction is a way to practice the future in our minds, alone and together. Visionary fiction is neither utopian nor dystopian. Instead, it is like real life. Hard, realistic, hopeful as a strategy. And I think this kind of has to deal with um, what... I mentioned on our last episode um, just dealing with liberation and what that looks like because it involves 
imagining the future um imagining that like this is a possibility which i think stopping to do that is very powerful because it kind of gives you the fuel to keep going um she also has tools for facilitation towards the end of the book which i found useful but not necessarily in the sense that she gave as far as critiques go um i mentioned this earlier but i really wish that she had given a solid definition of emergent strategy from the beginning instead of giving examples and working up towards it um just because i could not follow along um, I actually ended up rereading like the first two chapters so instead of just not knowing how to connect the dots I didn't know what dots to connect so when I asked about the book after only reading the first few chapters I had no idea what to say um, I think I just said something like a way to work towards like a radical transformation collectively and it's like that's really vague <laughs> but at the time that's all I knew so yeah um, I also think it's just helpful because that way you know what the author is saying already like you understand where they're coming from and so you can draw your own conclusions so like I mentioned earlier the natural examples and then the there was sections called grounding in nature those are really good to think about but sometimes they weren't really connected or like woven into the work so for example, there was a really helpful one in the chapter about um, resilience and transformative justice and it went Last weekend, I went on a walk with my partner at the Arboretum. There's this little makeshift stream and all the trees along the stream had their roots in the stream. It just makes me think of how that happened and how long it would have taken for the roots to reach there and how that tree had to survive before it reached the stream. This helps me think about how when we feel limitation, this is when we figure out how infinite are possibilities for us to grow out, around, through, to reach abundance. Um, and the quote is by Chrislene DeJean. Um, so that was very helpful because it talks about like finding really just like being rooted, <laughs> um, which I think is very important within resilience. I mean, that is literally resilience. Um, finding a way to work through everything regardless of how hard it is like there is possibilities in order to be able to do that right so i could definitely see how that compared to the topic of resilience and transformative justice whereas earlier um in the chapter nonlinear and iterative um she spoke about um the butterfly effect in terms of like um, the section grounding in nature so basically butterflies they through motion they lead a series of just changes and reactions that can create a hurricane and then there was like kind of a weird thing that happened so early on she was talking about capitalism and for a while I was pretty confused on her stance um, she says something along the lines of finding the between um, of capitalism and socialism so what's the like middle ground of both which I was very confused as to where that came from <laughs> and she actually um, links or provides like a footnote with the person who um, like helped her 
imagine this and I thought that was very interesting but I wasn't really sure how that dealt with non-linear and iterative um, and in the chapter she talked about her Occupy Wall Street um, experience which was really fascinating and like I am not very familiar with um, the movement so reading about it from someone who participated was like really cool um, I just wish she had mo uh, woven these things more into the chapters which is Gar Alprovitz and she provides a link to this work um, and I'll link it in the description and so I was like okay I don't really understand where she's coming from so I would much rather read this work and then draw my own conclusion so I looked it up and the link is still live it still exists um, and so I read some of it and this author is talking about this concept of evolutionary reconstructionism which they define as a systemic institutional transformation of the political economy that unfolds over time um, and the author makes it clear that this is neither a reform nor a revolution so that was very interesting um, I wish that maybe she had discussed that a little bit more in depth instead of just giving this like two sentences of like why she felt like that was important because um, I feel like if it was important enough to mention in the book then maybe providing some more background um, because honestly after reading that I was like so are you pro-capitalism or anti-capitalism and I was very confused because in that section she actually talks about how we have to let go of that feeling of success um, that we get when capitalism works for us and I think so yeah that was really weird it just kind of caught me off guard and I wasn't really sure what to think so I actually um, asked my roommate to read it and they were like I don't know what to tell you and that um, another critique I have is that if you haven't read Octavia Butler's writing then it can be a little hard to know just how much of an influence she is on on her um, so she actually makes a note early on and is like um, you should stop reading and go read her works and then come back about the book I was like oh no she's like right um, I feel like I was missing out on a lot of very good insight because I hadn't done all these previous readings um, so that was definitely um, a critique I have and then my last critique was just that some chapters fell really short for me there's this chapter where it's basically just conversations she had with people as she was writing the book and so I thought like they would add something to the conversation but honestly I just kind of found them interesting on their own I didn't really see how they um, kind of like pushed her points or like um, just strengthened her like claims and like ideas of emergent strategy um, so I wish there was once again that like connecting the dots those are all the critiques I have um, in the last episode like I mentioned earlier we talked about what liberation looks like to us and I feel like this book definitely serves as a tool to lay out ways to work towards that liberation towards that goal um, and I think honestly reading it with a group of people like maybe your friends colleagues co-conspirators um, would have been a really good idea because it can help shift the way things are run 
and refocus energy and I really really wish that I had I had read this with someone else um, that way we could have discussed this more so maybe in the future when I do book reviews like this um, I will ask someone else to read the book with me um, so that we can have more of a conversation instead of just a book review um, so yeah despite the critiques it's a great book um, at the very very least like if you learn nothing from the book which I highly doubt would happen the assessment portions are really great journaling topics um, and I think they'd be really informative um, and eye-opening to do with your group of peers um, I also think that the tools for facilitation which I didn't really talk about um, can be applied to other facilitation that you do um, not just for emergent strategy um, but yeah, I highly recommend. With that being said, I wanna shift to the fractal assessment. Um, so if this is something that you're interested in, uh, I'm gonna give y'all the questions. Um, so you can totally pause this, rewind, whatever you need to do if you want to write them down. Um, but just a reminder that fractal is a never ending pattern and this assessment is meant to help you realize whether you embody your values or not. Um, so there are four main questions and then three sub-questions. Um, so the first question is, are you a perfect living realization of your values and beliefs? The second question is, is your group a perfect living realization of your collective values and beliefs? The third one is, what are you embodying in your daily life, in your work? And then it asks um, if you're doing this as an individual to interview three people you trust in your extended community um, so that they can give you feedback about how you show up in the world and um, share your purpose and intention with each of them so that way you know they're being honest um, and ask them to hold that as they answer your questions. So they offer three sample questions. Um, the first one is what is my impact in the world? The second one is, in three words, what am I embodying? And the last one is, where do you think I could grow? Um, if you choose to do this within your organization, um, you would simply interview people in your group or org and then share the feedback while having a brief discussion on how much you are or are not embodying that. And then you can ask people to state the vision and mission. And the question for that would be, can everyone in the org state those two things accurately? Um, and passionately. So I personally focused on the individual portion and I will post it on Instagram so if anyone wants to join me in filling it out you can like take a screenshot and you know journal or you can share your answers with me it's up to you but um, I asked three of my friends um, and I will summarize their answers but um, first I want to answer the other questions totally forgot about them but um, for am I a perfect living realization of my values and beliefs? No, not perfect. Um, definitely trying to work on that more, um, but also recognizing that I will probably never be perfect. Um, is your group a perfect living realization of your collective values and beliefs? No, but like I said before, we're striving. And um, I think all this also made me think of ways to kind of help make this more collective 
um, like collective goals versus just like individual goals within an org. Then for the question, what are you embodying in your daily life and then in your work? Um, in my daily life, I said empathy, um, productivity, which is not good and I acknowledge that, um, but I really do associate a lot of my self-worth which with how much stuff I get done and that's something I'm trying to shift away from but I do acknowledge that that's something I do um I also embody um working towards perfectionism and expecting it from others and then um wanting a liberated community and so um I understood the question as what you do in your daily life like what can people associate you with um, and what I associate myself with whether that's good or bad and then I interviewed my three friends and they said my impact is through educating um, the community about issues I'm passionate about um, being very real about accountability and also through the work I do within movements and my communities so that's where my impact is from and then um, some words used to describe me are accountability, growth, um, once again, this idea of perfectionism, strength and perseverance, um, and then improving. Um, I can hold more space for people when they fail to meet my expectations slash standards and figure out a plan to ensure it doesn't happen again. I can work towards just going with the flow and not calculating everything as well as being more vulnerable and open within my personal life. So this third question was very important for me to hear because I rarely get like feedback from people and it's very scary because I know like that I am very much someone who strives for perfectionism and I don't think that's a good thing um, and it's something I am working on in counseling um, and it is like a very like maladaptive thing um, so when I don't get feedback I'm like is it because there is none or because people feel like I can't take it um, so doing this exercise and like asking my friends to provide me with feedback was very scary but I feel like a lot of the things um, I could kind of see like coming um, and I definitely understand um, and the truth is that I am committed to working towards a collective liberation and embodying my values so I have to find ways um, to do that more um, to fix the ways that I'm not and then continue asking for feedback um, and I think that was one of the big takeaways from Emergent Strategy, just like this idea of creating a group of people that you can always count on that will give you this feedback. Um, and if they ask, you can give them feedback too. So like I said, I will totally post this on Instagram for people to answer um, on their own or to share with me. Um, it can be hard to like sit down and think about it, but I think it's very, very worth it and just a very important thing to do. Um, definitely that vulnerable uh, reflection. Highly recommend.
Okay, so like I said, overall, I really enjoyed Emergent Strategy and I recommend it to anyone and everyone. Um, if you have read it, let me know on Instagram because I'm very curious to see what other people took from it. Um, and if you haven't, I really recommend reading it, um, maybe with someone else just to help with the discussion portion. Um, but yeah, thank you for listening. We have had about 50 plays for both of the episodes, um, which are up, which is super wild. <laughs> I only thought like that my friends, like my handful of friends would listen. So thank you for supporting. Um, yeah, I'm very, very grateful. Um, but before we leave, I want to make a quick ask. Um, so this past week, here in Texas, Governor Greg Abbott and Attorney General Ken Paxton ordered for all medical procedures deemed quote-unquote unnecessary um, to be postponed, and this includes abortions. So because of this, there's a temporary abortion ban um, in Texas, and it will last until April 21st. So personally, <laughs> I have felt very angry and very just hopeless, um, but there is something that we can all do. So I encourage my fellow Texans listening to this to find your local abortion fund and donate um, because they are still helping fund people uh, to go out of state for abortions. Um, if you don't live in Texas but would like to help us, um, Texas Equal Access or T-Fund, Lilith Fund, Frontera Fund, West Fund, and Fund Texas Choice are all places that you can donate to. Um, so yeah, just wanted to make that note because this is really important and there are so many people working to ensure um, that people are still having access to the reproductive health care they need. Um, so yeah, that is all I have today. Um, stay strong, friends. Take care. Um, thank you for joining me and until next time, y'all. Bye now.